Do managers need interfaith leadership skills? Should managers talk about religion with their employees? Welcome to the Interfaith Business Network podcast with your hosts, Brianne White and Angie Luo. In today's episode, we feature Parth Banzali, an Interfaith Youth Corps alum, regional head of sales at Groupon, and real estate broker, for best tips and practices about managing people in a way that is inclusive of religious, spiritual, and secular identities. Parth, thanks so much for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us about your religious background and your uh, professional work right now. First of all, thank you, Brianne and Angie, for inviting me to be a part of this. I'm Chicago-based, and I'm currently a regional head of travel sales at Groupon and also a real estate broker with EXP Realty. And faith-wise, I'm Hindu. Can you tell us a little bit more (laughs) about how your religious background affects who you are and how you show up at work? Absolutely. I think it's changed over the years. I think it went from being afraid of talking about my religious background to now being very proud about it and having it become a huge part of the conversations I'm in every day. One of the biggest examples is my company has recently gotten a lot more involved in DEI efforts. And you're going to hear me talk about through this podcast a lot, but Diwali was a couple weeks ago. And instead of being afraid of talking about being Hindu or that I'm going to be with my family for Diwali, I was able to reach out to our global head of diversity and ask him if we can celebrate Diwali and, and talk about it with the company. And it was, it was really, really cool because I got a lot of attention on it and made me feel really good. And we actually recorded this podcast a long time ago before it was aired. But Parth, can you tell us a little bit more about Diwali and why it's important for Hindus and why they would want to have this as a day off or something that matters to them, how they show up at work? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with just making sure I call this out. I'm, this is how my family celebrates Diwali and my interpretation of it, right? Not all of Hinduism, but keeping that in mind, um, the overall idea is Lord Rama came home from exile and it's about light winning over darkness and good over evil and all of the things that make us happy, right? And it's about celebrating that. It's really important to celebrate it and have the day off because for me, it's even though it's not religiously as it's not the same significance as uh, Christmas to Christians, for example, but it's that important for me to be with my family. And so I took some time off, was able to go home and just have a meal with my parents and my brother. And that just there's nothing like it. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Um, This is totally just a personal story, but I recently worked with a dream coach and we tried to pick apart what my values are. And I ended up landing on celebration being an important thing that I as a professional person want to carry with me and everything that I do. So taking a moment to celebrate, right, your professional accomplishments, as well as the people around you and spending time with your family. I think that that is something that we all value around whatever holiday it is, getting to spend time with the people that you love. So we actually met because we had shared interests in the intersection of religion and business. And you're actually one of the board members of the Interfaith Business Network. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you decided to help us start the network and why this work matters to you as a people manager? So before I get into that, for the listeners who have not had a chance to meet or work with Brianne or Angie directly, whenever you actually work with them, they spark this inspiration within you. And that's what really started it for me. So it was a call for all of us to just sync up. It was people 
whether it was Brandon and Angie from their backgrounds or me with mine. And we were like, why don't we just chat about how this is important and what we can do? And immediately you could feel the chemistry on the call. And that's when we were like, well, there aren't really a lot of resources right now. I can go to one of the top business schools in the world, but they're not really sitting there going, okay, well, let's take a, a quarter or a semester and teach you about interfaith work and people and relationships, which to me is one of the core successful necessities for a business. And maybe I said that backwards, right? It's one of the core necessities for a successful business, but that's what makes people want to stay when they feel appreciated and, and there just isn't enough out there for that. And it's been really, really wonderful just like talking about these ideas and exploring. And it's really, really sparked a lot of um, excitement and interest. And we're hoping to expand and invite others who are equally as hungry for this work as we are. Perth, thanks so much for the shout out to working with Angie and myself. We, we like to think <laughs> that we're great to work with, but I uh, love it when our podcast guests agree. So you currently work at Groupon, and I think previously you also had a background in the tech industry. Are there any success stories that you can share with us about how you've been able to model inclusive management? We've had guests on the podcast who talk about how to be a good leader in the DEI space, talking about faith at work, and also those who have talked about how they show up at work. But as a manager, when you're not making decisions for the entire company, but you're making decisions for your team, how do you model this inclusive management for people of all different religious faith backgrounds or different identities at work? That's a really good question. And I think it's a lot tougher to execute than talk about. So instead of talking about something I've done, I actually want to use this to do a shout out for my colleague, Caroline. Um, as I said, Diwali was just, just recently passed. And I talked to my team about it. And I was like, if we have anyone that we work with, clients, partners, employees, peers, family members, friends, so on, reminder, it's Diwali, it's something important to me, come ask me questions, happy to tell you as much as I can about the way I celebrate it with my family. And my coworker, Caroline, on Diwali, we had a team meeting with the entire department. And halfway through the meeting, she chatted me and she's like, hey, do you mind if I just bring up Diwali? Which immediately I was like, wait, what? Okay, cool, right? Like you, you almost feel that like, whoa, you're including something that's important to me that most people don't care about. And she, after getting my permission, which is a huge part of this, she was like, hey, I just want to take a moment in this meeting to wish Parth a happy Diwali and anyone else on the call who celebrates Diwali. Parth, do you mind telling us a little bit more about it? And it was really, really cool because she made me feel like I was valued, but she also did it in a way where other people could learn from it. What was really also cool was my team who reports to me, we talked about Diwali and they then, one of them chatted me, one of my team members, and they were like, hey, uh, ha happy Diwali. I think that's how I wish you. I'm not sure. And it was just another opportunity for me to teach them. It was something really important to me, but it also helped me go back to my team and go, what do you celebrate? What are things that you want us to, to talk about as a team? And how are ways I can wish you? And it, it gave me the opportunity to reciprocate that. And that made it a very inclusive conversation instead of it just being like, part celebrates Diwali and then we don't talk about it until next year when I expect it to happen again. It's something that we do with everyone involved. And as a follow-up to that, are there any examples of times either in your own life or things that you've seen at work where you felt like people could have done better, where there was a missed opportunity to be inclusive and you've seen either an improvement in that or just a way to improve that for others who are listening? It's really, really difficult to make things feel organic. So on that call, when I was wished 
for, for Diwali and, you know, and whatnot. Caroline had the best intentions, but besides me, I don't know how many other people on the call felt like they wanted to talk about that for five minutes and, and hear about it. So it, to them, either felt like I was like lecturing them or like, was this something that our DEI or HR team like forced upon the team to hear about? It was like, how do we make this something interesting that people want to participate in instead of feeling like they're forced to participate in that? So that's the first part of it that I think just in general, I've struggled with. The second part of it is understanding people's actual intentions behind things. So a quick anecdote on that, it was Diwali like four or five years ago, but I brought in Indian sweets and um, like snacks and whatnot for my team. And this is pre-pandemic in a past life, right? When we used to go into the office and I brought all this stuff in and there was a senior leader on the team who was like, oh, what's all this for? And I was like, oh, it's Diwali, explain things. And this senior leader looked at me and very awkwardly was like, uh, well, um, congratulations. And their intention was not to offend me or to make me feel uncomfortable. Their intention was just to actually wish me but they just didn't know how to. And it's about that, like, did they intend to do something good? And the answer is yes, of course, in this case, or were they doing it sarcastically, right? And it's about getting that intention across and also being able to be open to understand that, like, if someone's trying to help wish you, this is an opportunity to A, accept it, and then B, educate them. Arthur, you're not the first podcast guest to mention bringing in treats around a holiday that was important to you. I think what we're noticing, right, as people, we really want to celebrate with the people that were around when these days come up, uh, whether they're unique to our religion or unique to something else. Um, we just want the opportunity to share that part of ourselves with others. So going back to that example about the colleague who congratulated you for Diwali, what did you do in the moment? Did you say anything? Is this something that you think about now? How would you address this colleague for any listeners who perhaps might come up with something similar in their workplaces? That's a good question. As soon as I heard it, the immediate reaction in my head and probably on my face because my face tells everything was, are you kidding me? You're a senior leader. This is not the first time you've probably had to do this. And this person was incredibly intelligent and I really admired them. And for just a quick moment, I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't respect you anymore. And that's how it felt. And then immediately, like the empathetic interfaith person in me kind of kicked in. And I was like, wow, they tried. If they told me it was their religious holiday that I didn't know about, how would I have wished them? I wouldn't have known. At least they attempted. They could have just been like, oh, that's really cool. Great. Well, uh, I have to go to a meeting. See ya. They didn't have to wish me. So it's something that I've kept in mind as I'm having conversations with other people. Also, you don't have to spend a lot of time on it, right? Sometimes I, like, I'm passionate about the volume. I'm passionate about my faith. But the other person may just have a quick question and they may just want to learn a quick tidbit, but they don't want to sit there for five minutes learning about Lord Rama and why he went to exile and why he came back and like what we do and all these things. That person probably doesn't want to hear that. And if they do, I can give them the opportunity to connect separately. So it's about just keeping other people's perspectives and experiences in mind while you're doing that. I love what I'm hearing from you, Part, is to start with curiosity on both sides, right? Start with curiosity of those who are speaking to people and wondering, tell me more about your holiday or, you know, this faith practice or whatever, but then on the side of the person telling about it as well, like curiosity about that person as well and having that base of, we just both want to be curious about each other because that makes people feel comfortable at work. 
We've heard some interesting commentary from participants at interfaith training workshops and other thought leaders in this space who've said that the American workplace normalizes secularism and just tolerates Christians, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, etc. They're fine as employees, but just don't talk about religion. And we've also heard that the way that we talk about religious accommodation at work makes religion sound like an illness or a disability, something that has to be accommodated because there are laws about it, but not in a way that reflects the whole person and who they are. As a manager, what do you find to be the most challenging about religious accommodation and inclusion at work? This one's really tough because the answer isn't very pretty. The answer is it, it can't be one size fits all. And what I mean by that is if I have a religious holiday or my cousin's wedding that is three days long and I need to take two of those days off, for me to get those days off while my colleagues maybe have a different faith or maybe don't have a faith that they, you know, need that accommodation or that extra time off for, that's what's made it really difficult. Also, in addition to that, it's about being able to balance. We live in a digital world. So for me, it's almost like, okay, I can take two days off for my cousin's wedding, but what if I work from home for one of those days? Because I feel guilt. So it's, it's like, how do you help your employees feel like just because most of the people on the team are not going to take this time off or don't need it or don't need this accommodation, it is still very valid for you to be able to use the resources of the company and creating that culture, which is the toughest thing, right? Because it can't be like tit for tat where it's like, well, Brianne got three days off and so Angie deserves three days off, right? Or for specific holidays, it has to be more like we are going to respect each other as human beings and respect our needs individually and finding that balance. But that can be really difficult, especially with, you know, making sure we're following HR protocols, but then also making things fair so that if one person has like 10 days off and the other needs one day off, right, or a specific accommodation, how do you balance that? Sounds like what you're talking about is what a lot of workplaces have been struggling with in this virtual world, not just with religion, but with childcare, with personal illness, with elder care. And I think what I'm hearing is that people are not robots, that we don't all have the same needs at the same time, and that the goal of a functioning team is to recognize how to be functioning as a team. Obviously, you don't want one person to get half the year off and everyone else to be working all of that time to make up for it. But if we're ever going to have great parental leave or sick leave or even vacation time in this country, it's recognizing that we function best when all of us come to work individually at our best and having sort of straight rules for everyone across the board doesn't always work when people have individual needs. Absolutely. And I think what's really interesting about that is it's been really difficult for me because, and for a lot of um, children of immigrant families, because, and, and this is a made up example, my company's really great about this, but imagine if I took a day off for Diwali and it's like, oh, well, Diwali is really important to him. So if we need coverage on Christmas, you can then work Christmas because you got another day off. Right. And it's like, well, actually my family celebrates Christmas. Like this year we have a crazy secret Santa set up, right? We're already fighting about gifts. And so it's like, well, I, I need Christmas off too, because as an American, I still celebrate that in a different way, maybe not as religiously, but I, I need that accommodation. So it's about going to your team and going, well, how can we find this balance? Does that mean that Parth just gets one more day off? And the answer might just have to be, yes, that's fine. Or how do we ask Parth or this employee to make up for that day off? 
that we had to give in addition? Do we just count as PTO? And I think a lot of that comes down to the company's culture and maturity levels and people's work ethic and just overall um, empathy. Martha, I loved what you said just now and Brianne's comment earlier about curiosity. And I think what's really showing through all of your responses is empathy. Empathy and curiosity to be a good people manager, especially around these issues of making everyone feel included with religious, spiritual, and secular identities. In the past, Parth, you have mentioned that you lead people through exercises to teach them about religious inclusion and religious literacy. Can you lead us through one of those exercises now? If it's quick, if it'll take a little bit longer, then maybe give us an example of one that you've led and what the outcomes were. I love this question. So growing up, and I think a lot of us are taught this, right? Especially if you aspire to be in the business world. So when I was in college, I got really, really involved with Interfaith Youth Corps, which is this amazing organization. If you don't know about them, go check them out. But as I started doing interfaith work, all the people I was in the network with, they were all like, oh, I'm going to Harvard for my MDiv and I'm becoming pastor at blank and I'm doing, and all these religious things. And I had a bit of an identity crisis, right? Like I wanted to become a business leader and I wanted to get into the business world and, and do stuff like that. And I was like, there's no way these two can work together. Um, and just through just what I'm doing, very immediately I realized at work, there's such a need for this. I don't have to go to Harvard or I don't need my master's of divinity or be a, a pastor at a church in order to be involved with work. So the activity I did, and this is, this is so much fun, is um, I get a couple of groups of, of students or people and I give each of them a piece of paper with a job profile. Um, so it'll be like, and, and they won't know what it is. So um, first they'll like, let's say you're an accountant, right? Or you're an attorney or you're a doctor. And then your group gets told who they are and they then talk about what are the requirements of, of being in, in this profession? Like, what am I expected to do? And then after that's all done, I give each of them a situation. So for someone in the healthcare field, it's like you have a patient that comes in that cannot get a blood transfusion, but they need one really, really badly. And it's because of their faith that they can't do this. How do you help them? And what's really cool about that is by the end of it, everyone goes, oh, so I actually don't need a religious degree in order to become an interfaith leader. It's actually important in all of these professions. And it's so powerful because by the end of it, you realize all the professions require very similar basics and they all require some type of interfaith knowledge. Martha, I love hearing that example that you shared because it reminds us that this work regarding people's faiths and religious backgrounds and faith practices isn't just about our colleagues and other employees at work, but also our clients and those who we serve. So we wanted to ask if listeners want to connect with you to learn more about this topic or to request a workshop, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You can email me. I mean, we're in a digital world. So Brienne and Angie, happy to sync with you guys, however you want. And we will link to Parth's LinkedIn in the show notes. And also, if anyone listening now wants to get in touch with Parth, you're also welcome to reach out to us and we can put you in touch. All right, Parth, last question. It's been such a joy to have you here with us today. If listeners take only one thing away from this conversation, what do you want that to be? So I feel like this podcast for me has become like a personality test. I didn't realize how important empathy and curiosity were for me. 
So thank you for helping me discover that, right? But all jokes aside, the three words I think every business leader needs to remember are lead with empathy. There's recently a Forbes article by um, Tracy Brower, and it came out in September, and it's called Empathy is the Most Important Leadership Skill According to Research. And how I think of it, and like I've been at Groupon for a while, and you know, like the tech space has been has, has evolved over the years. But when I first started, I remember I got my first job offer and I called my friends and I was like, oh my gosh, they have a game room. You can go play ping pong during lunch. How cool is that? That's amazing. And seven and a half years later, eight years later, I'm looking at other companies or I have other people coming to to join my team and they're going, oh my gosh, they have a DEI team. And if you want to pray, they actually have a prayer room and they let me take Ramadan off if I need that. This is the best company. And that's because people feel valued. And that's where the empathy part comes in. And we all work really hard in our, in our roles, especially in today's day and age, right? Where we're all working on very tight bandwidths. But I'm really lucky because my, my leadership team has really empowered me to feel like I'm valued by respecting what I need. And I think that empathy has been something that's been a big part of that. I love that. The key to effective leadership is leading with empathy. Park, thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed having you as a guest on this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Interfaith Business Network podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow at Interfaith Biz on Twitter. That's Interfaith B-I-Z. You can also join our network on LinkedIn and Slack. Learn more at interfaithbusinessnetwork.com. Thank you also to Interfaith Youth Corps for funding this podcast and to our friends at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation and AI in Faith for their partnership and support. Until next time.